So I took Nolan to uh, Children's Church just now, and I, I stopped at the corner, and I could watch him walk down. And Andy Phillips was down there, and he said, Are those pink pants? And I said, Why, yes, they are. That's very brave of you. Which I thought it took more to be brave, but I'll take it. I said, do you like them? He goes, not even a little bit. <laughs> but you know, listen, sometimes you've got to do something on daylight savings time to keep the crowd awake. Yeah, it's for you. I do it for you and for me, mainly for Rachel. No, I, I, uh, it's, we, we talked about last week how sometimes in, you know, especially in ministry, there's just, it's, it's carte blanche for, for insults, uh, for ministers. You can just, I mean, every time I've ever gained a little weight, somebody has told me. I'm like, thank God. We don't have mirrors. I'll get on it. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Uh, Rob Bell tells a story about getting a new car and someone walked up and said, nice car, pastor. You know, the indication being, he's like, I'm sorry, my donkey broke. I can't. <laughs> we have a, sometimes that, and listen, that, that happens in all lines of work, I'm sure. It, it, but, but there is some, <laughs> there is some uh, struggle in ministry. When, when Rachel and I uh, bought our first house, we were renting a house from a church member, which is always fun. And they, they, they were our landlord. And, but we had a great deal, but Rachel got a job and, and I had gotten the, um, you're not crazy raise from that conservative churches start you out real low and then they'll go, all right, let's make sure you're not crazy. And then they'll boost. And, uh, and we, no, no, not you guys. No, but this was right when we first started. I mean, I was 22, um, starting ministry, and uh, we 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 finally bought a house in the summer of 07. We bought a house, or right in the right there toward the end of the summer, and in December of 07, we found out Rachel was pregnant with Clara. Between those times, I had an elders meeting where they said, it's an evaluation. And I said, okay, sounds fun. <laughs> and I came home from that meeting and opened the door and I said, Rachel, I think I lost my job tonight. And I had, um, they, they had asked, no, it's fine. They, they're, they're good people. They're, they try, but they're forgiven. It's fine. <laughs> no, it's fine. There was it's okay. They, they did the, they were doing the best they could. And that didn't always work out for me. But so I don't want you to look back on those people with anger, but I, it was just questions. I was at a very, very, very conservative church and I was not one, but I was also trying to teach the, teach these kids about Jesus. And I just kept thinking, 
they need Jesus. Doesn't matter who their parents are or what they think. And so we had opportunities come up and we said, I, I will, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay here until the Lord removes me. That's a bad idea. Because <laughs> then you buy houses in the middle of a housing crisis. That was a tough meeting for me for a while to think about and process. It wouldn't be something I'd feel comfortable talking about on stage, on, on, from the pulpit. From the pulpit. <laughs> and I, so I, but it took a long time because to, to process that. We got a job a month later. It was fine. Uh, in just this little town in, in Texas called Teague. Tig. Tig. Um, and we've, we loved those people. We had good elders there. They were kind to us and thoughtful and prayerful. And I still struggled every time they said, hey, we're going to have an elders meeting. Every time. Just get a pit in your stomach. I'll tell you this much. I have been in ministry um, almost 20 years now. It's 17, but I'm rounding up. Once you start getting gray in your beard, you can round up to 20. And I, I've never had an el- a, sh- a group of shepherds who started meetings with prayer and silence and scripture like this group does. And I am very, very thankful for them. Yeah. Now, yes, they don't want that, but you can give it to them. I am very thankful for that. It's, it's a big deal. I do not feel that pit in my stomach. And it's, but it has nothing to do with the, the guys in Teague or the guys in Mineral Springs or the guys here. It's all just sort of ministry, life-based stuff. I was in this setting once and it didn't go well. What, what am I to do now? Peter is standing in front of some religious leaders when he spoke the words that we read. He's standing in front of the people with power, with the pe- in front of the people with influence, and it has been, for Peter, a crazy few days, a few weeks. Just to remind you, They had followed a guy named Jesus from Nazareth for three solid years. Made a lot of mistakes. Witnessed a a bunch of incredible things. And learned stuff that was going to affect them for the rest of their life. Saw Jesus do things that was going to affect the the whole journey of their life. And this Jesus kept saying things like, this isn't going to end well. Peter even told him at the end, in, in middle, right in the middle of Mark, Peter says, Jesus, no, you will not die. And Jesus had the nerve to call him Satan. <laughs> he said, get behind me, Satan. 
Peter, I'm sure, was confused. They followed this man for three years, and then he was taken in front of the, the powerful of the day. He was crucified, and then they didn't know what to do. For about a day. And then they weren't really sure what happened. My favorite ending to a gospel, um, if, if you read the ancient manuscripts, is Mark 16, verse 8. They were confused. And scared. So, Peter, Andrew, and James, John, Thomas, Philip, sitting around saying, what are we to do now? And then Jesus, the women come running in and say, we saw him. He's alive. Now, in this day, you couldn't even take a woman's word in court. But here we have the first evangelists telling the good news of the resurrection of Jesus to a group of men who weren't quite sure. And they had to run. They had to run and go see themselves. We had men walk home even. And when Jesus showed up on the road on their, on their way home, Jesus says, Hey, what's happened? I say, well, some, some of the women say he's alive. <laughs> There's Jesus going, oh, really? <laughs> he spends day, uh, he spends about, uh, 40 days with them. And then there's, they're with him in Acts 1. And I don't think we really process this really well. He ascends into heaven. Now, the way I picture that, it has some floating involved. That's jarring for any human. If Rachel said, I am going to go to the store, just went away. I would be, I would, I might get a little sassy with any angel that showed up and said, why are you looking into the sky? Well, as it turns out, a man just flew into the sky. I'm going to keep staring for a while. This is all so confusing and we read it like, and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. But can you imagine the space, the, the, the amount of, of brain power it took for them to even just process what was happening? And then the Holy Spirit comes and we're talking in all sorts of languages and all sorts of dialects. And then all of a sudden, 5,000 or more are just on our group, in our group. Everybody wants their church to grow, but they're not all sure what to do with them when they show up. And so they, they, they come and we've got people from all over the place believing that Jesus is the Messiah. And one day they're walking into a, in, in, uh, they're walking through the city and they see a man who can't walk on a mat. Now we know the story. Peter, 
obviously heals them. Anytime the Bible says, and then there was a lame man, it never says, and they walked on by. Like it's always, there's always, it's always to be healed. So we know he healed him. But what I get, what I, I'm interested in is Peter seeing that guy. And what a moment of faith. Like we talk about, we talk about Peter stepping out onto the water. But getting down to that guy and going, hey, look at me. I don't have money. But what I can give you is in the name of Jesus, walk. And then Peter helps him up. What a risk. Because you could have pulled that guy and just pendle him over to the ground. Like, if it didn't work, pulling him's not going to be a good idea. What a, what a step of faith. And he didn't sink. The rush. The rush of, okay, we're doing this. Just moment after moment that the apostles realize this thing's real. The spirit in me that's alive is active and real and powerful. And people start showing up because he healed this guy. And they say, what is going on? And he, let me tell you about Jesus because I didn't do that. Let me tell you about Jesus. And then those same powerful people show up and take him to jail and leave him there overnight and then pull him out and set him, set him in front of them. And they say, what is going on here? I wonder if Peter felt that eerie deja vu of I've been here before and this is dangerous. And they, it says, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees came to them much annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus there is resurrection from the dead. Just a side note, um, whenever you're having that discussion with your spouse and you're like, are you upset? No, I'm not upset. I'm, and you want to just come up with a different word that means the same of what they just asked, frustrated. You can say much annoyed. That's a good one. That's just a new one to put in your repertoire. Came to them much annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus there is the resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and they numbered about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with uh, Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they made the when they made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name do you do this? They asked Peter, with whom are you associated? And 
Man, Peter's been here before, hasn't he? Sitting around the fire and they said, hey, you're with Jesus. No. No, 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 no. Seriously, I saw you with Jesus. He's one of them, isn't he? No. I'm positive of it. Absolutely not. Jesus isn't with me, and I am not with Jesus. This day, the rooster did not crow. This day, Peter did not back away. With whom are you associated by what power or what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all. He is not saying this cowardly behind, you know, hey, just let it be known. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus, Jesus the Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus, the stone that was rejected by the builders, it has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Peter stood there and proclaimed the name of Jesus to the ones who crucified Jesus, to the ones he was afraid of from the get-go. The, one the ones he was afraid of at that night around the fire. And what's the difference? The Spirit of God in him, the Spirit that raised that man raised the voice of Peter to proclaim the name of Jesus. And when he says, do you want to, do you want to know? Do you want to know who does this? Who allows me to be what I am here, what allows this man to, to walk with me, to stand next to me, to jump as he was earlier. I need to show you Jesus. I need to show you what Jesus has done to me. The Holy Spirit often asks us to go back into those old situations with more courage than we had before. When we got the job in Teague, Texas, I called there, uh, Dale Mitchell. He worked with EEM forever. Y'all, uh, Some of y'all might know Dale. He was the former preacher there and he was one of the elders. Good man. Um, and he stayed on as elder, but he was... Rachel called me because, you know, we, we just bought this house. I don't know if you've ever bought a house, not done any improvements, and then tried to sell it immediately. It usually doesn't go well. 
we had we would we would not be getting any money for down payment. We'd be losing money on the thing. One of the things we needed from a church was a parsonage. <laughs> it's just the truth. Rachel called me and texted me and said, "Hey, I found this listing. It's in Teak, Texas. They have a parsonage." I said, "Oh, no one no one wants their preacher to be homeless, and that was our only option <laughs> to not to have a home." And so I called Dale and I said, hey, Dale, uh, I just got fired. Let me tell you why. Because I was not about to go into another place and covertly try to teach Jesus. That can happen. And I was tired of, I was tired, I was tired. I, I wanted, I wanted if, if who I am and who I've turned into because of Jesus, if, if that was going to keep me from getting a job, let it be so. So I called Dale and I said, Dale, I was just fired. I'm going to tell you why. I don't believe the church of Christ is the only group of people going to heaven. I don't think instruments, someone said, uh oh, <laughs> I don't think instruments in a worship service is, is a sin. Some people actually just thought, uh oh, I don't, I'm not there. I think the way of Jesus is, and, and so I just kind of walked him through that whole thing. And he said, well, you need to come on down. They had a guy in that weekend that they were probably going to hire. And then they hired me the next weekend. But then we had to, I had to commute. So I stayed there a while then drove back and would spend the weekend or the, the week with Rachel. Interesting back and forth until she finished teaching at her job in this, and we sold her house. But every time I left our house that wasn't selling and that we didn't really have the money to make the payment all the time. Every time I left that house and drove to this new church, guess whose building I passed? The old church. And I would drive, I would drive by that place infuriated. And then one day I said out loud, I forgive you. I'm going to tell y'all something. I did not mean it. <laughs> I didn't. Not at first. But something told me, and I believe it was the Spirit of God, something told me that I needed to, I needed to have that to come out of my mouth first before it worked its way into my heart. And so every day, I'd drive by every day, every time we'd make the commute. I forgive you. And then I started seeing them more as just people who, not as people who hurt me, and they did. But as, as people whose whole stories and lives and, and, and 
their, their whole being wasn't summed up by what they did to me. That they were summed up by what God did for them. And that's more than they've ever done for me or to me. What the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to is oftentimes something that requires bravery. And I cannot think of more of something more brave than forgiving people who hurt you. Standing up to people who hurt you. Forgiveness does not mean you let them back in your life. Forgiveness does not mean acceptance into like, well, now, all right, come on. No, if they are toxic to you and hurtful to you, stay away. Keep them away. Proverbs says, like a dog to its vomit, so does a fool return to his folly. They're going to return to their folly, probably. You don't have to be there when they do. Having the power of the Spirit in you allows you to go back into situations. Not because Peter didn't stand in front of them and go, guys, I've toughened up. Guys, I've really thought about it and I consider I consider myself pretty important. I just raised a guy. I just told him to get up and here he is walking around. I'm actually pretty good at this. My baptism counts 8,000 at the moment. What's yours? <laughs> he said, guys, the reason I'm standing here and the reason he's standing here is because of Jesus. That's all we've got. You may have stuff in your life where you're like, the, the next moment's going to be tough. I don't want, I don't ever want to be that preacher that goes, because of Jesus, it's not going to be tough. Because that's dumb. Things are hard. Things are difficult in life. Things are, things are, seem uh, impossible. They seem terrifying. That moment you're looking at in your life that's going to be difficult is going to be difficult. But if my Jesus can make a dead man walk, a lame man walk, Peter stand confidently before the crowd. I know he's going to walk with me through it, through that next thing too. So I can take the steps. I can make that next step. And I can do that next thing. And I can be bold. And I can be courageous. Because while you may have been sitting on that mat on the sideline, just begging for anything you can have to uplift your faith, when the Spirit of God gets a hold of you, you, you get up and you take some steps. Not because they're easy. Because you can. 
courageously move forward. And here's the beautiful thing. You don't have to fake being happy about it. It has, takes courage for a reason. You don't have to fake wanting to forgive people. <laughs> I don't want to a lot of times. It's really nice to have enemies. Because you know what that means? I'm the good guy. If they're the enemies, then who's the hero? Hmm. That clip's not going online. I didn't feel good about that at all. You don't, you don't want to forgive. You don't want to move, move, move on. You don't want to progress. But if you're going to interact with Jesus, if you're going to interact with the Spirit of God, you're going to feel that push. But you're also going to feel a peace. Peter also did not stand in front of those men and go, Jesus will get me out of this. Because he also could have died. And he eventually did die. But what he knew is that no matter what these men did to him, God could conquer that too. Death does not defeat us because our Savior defeated death. We walk and live and interact with the Spirit of God in us, the same Spirit that rose Him from the grave. That Spirit lives in us. Not a Spirit of timidity, but a Spirit of power. Let's pray. God, give us courage, give us your, your power, give us your spirit. Make us bold, give us peace. And the times in the past where we failed or we weren't what we thought we were going to be, God. God, forgive us. But we also know that you're with us and you're, you're constantly working on us because you love us. Bless us today with the power to look like your son. Okay, because it doesn't matter how any of us were raised, God, we know that it's your son, your spirit, your presence, that's the only thing we have that can help us look like you. Uh, we, we need you in this place. We feel you in this place. We know that we are yours and you are ours. It's in your son's holy name we pray. Amen.